everyone. Welcome to another episode of Shreds Takes. Uh, I'm lucky to be joined by three guests, Fruche, Grant Robinson, and Yaya Zarouk. Um, fellas, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here. So, uh, just I want to jump right into it today. We're going to, us four are going to talk about the Drew Brees situation and then the uh, format of the NBA. So, the first thing we're going to talk about, guys, and you guys can take the floor on this one, is just the uh, Drew Brees situation. Um, you know, what were your initial thoughts on it when you first saw him, you know, say what he said? Um, and then, you know, like, what do you think of his apology? And what do you think is going to be, like, what further action does the NFL need to do from this? to learn from and make uh, players more aware of the situation um, and more aware of what's going on, I guess, in the way. So whoever wants to take it, go ahead. I guess I can start. Um, after when I first saw the Drew Brees videos on Twitter um, and he said, like, you guys were, you couldn't, you couldn't, uh, you disagreed with anyone who, who, who kneeled for the flag and, you know, during the anthem he thinks about his, his grandfather's in World War II and, and all that stuff. But, uh, my other thought was because he, he had done this again back in 2016 when happened to kind of had the same opinion. So um, I just thought that I just thought that um, he didn't have to learn from 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 what he was from what he what's happening. You know, like there's so much going on, <laughs> and he disregarded the fact that. Uh, all these movements, what these movements mean, what Black Lives Matter means, what was happening in the world, you know, when he said that. And he just kind of disregarded that and brought his own thoughts in, which completely went against, you know, the purpose of, um, you know, the movement and everything like that to kind of push his own agenda. So I wasn't, I was surprised and also not surprised because he had, again, he had um, went against, you know, kneeling back in 2016 when Kaepernick did. So, um, yeah, those are my initial thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree. Um, in a weird way, I think um, his sort of like lack of sensitivity to the situation, um, in a way, like in in a way, it can be thought of like kind of as a good thing because the NFL, after he got all the backlash, sort of made a lot of changes. Um, like they, I know Roger Goodell announced that um, like the league would sort of support like the Black Lives Matter and all that type of stuff. And I think um, they, the, the NFL's voice probably grew a little bit because of how much like they've come out and sort of supported like the Black Lives Matter movement. And I think that kind of came as a result to the backlash that Drew, Drew Brees received. So like I obviously wasn't happy um, with the initial comments that he made, but um I think the NFL kind of responded um, in a way to, to sort of say that they were wrong about Kaepernick and wrong about um, the way he was going about his protests um, because at the end of the day, like what Kaepernick was doing, there was nothing wrong with it. Um, and I think the NFL making that statement was pretty important. Yeah, I agree with Grant on that. Um, to me, I think it's a, it's a evident example of uh, being oblivious to, one's privilege and I feel like Breeze in that situation um, in 2016 and in his initial comments uh, I think he was guilty of merely 
thinking about how he was selfishly being affected by what was going on and not taking a second to think about, okay, wait, let me put myself in the shoes of the person of Colin Kaepernick. Let me put myself in the shoes of, and I know it's hard given the whole, the difference in race, but let me just try and see their perspective as opposed to my, uh, as opposed to his perspective where he did have, as you mentioned, he did have like grandparents and parents in the army, World War II, all of that, yes. And so to him, it may have felt like a disrespect. And in a way that is valid, but you also have to consider the position always of the other side. And I feel like he was just completely oblivious to that. And once you do, and you realize, okay, who is more, who is more in a, in a place of uh, injustice right now? Is it Colin Kaepernick? Sorry. Is it Colin Kaepernick and all my black teammates who have to sacrifice the state, who, who have to live with the, who have to sacrifice essentially their own safety of their, of their lives every time they come in contact with the police, institutions, or me, who my grandparents might be being disrespected by one or two people kneeling. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if he had taken a second to actually consider that, and I feel like that's what he did in the end, he would have realized he, um, how he, he had been selfishly thinking before. Yeah, I mean, one thing I'm gonna comment too is like Nate, Nate Boyer, for example, right, you know, like, I don't know if you guys like heard what he's like, they gave a clip about what he did all with the Kaepernick. Like he's the one who told Kaepernick to kneel. Um, and for example, like what he did is he went and like sought out Colin Kaepernick and asked for like what his viewpoint was, right? And like, the, like that's the important part of the situation that like, you have to go out and like listen to what the other viewpoint is. You can't just be oblivious. And the problem is now for Drew Brees is people are going to look at what he did because he's like, they're going to see that he was really insensitive and they're going to question the great things that he's done charity wise for New Orleans because of what he did here, right? Because it's going to, like, for example, he called up Shannon Sharp when Shannon Sharp called them out. And the big thing, like, Drew Brees can do now is, like, say, okay, like, you know, I'm going to go to the NFL and I'm going to try and, you know, make better changes within the front office. I can talk to them about, like, you know, implementing more diversity. That's the way he can make it up, right? Because, like, you know, they're, they're, that's, like, the only thing he really can do. He can apologize all he wants, but, you know, <laughs> that's not going to do anything at the end of the day. It's just words. It's not action. Um, none of what I the situation i mean it's just like you know it's all all these things are just words and you know again the whole thing with this situation is turning those words into action but i mean you guys could think differently but you guys go ahead yeah i think that uh i saw uh, laura ingram's uh comments you know of the, like the shut up and dribble comments to lebron james and kevin durant and then now she has a uh, supportive opinion uh on drew Brees. so it's like kind of flip, she's like flip-flopping um which just shows like you know that she's part of the problem. Like that's the problem we're talking about. And that's the problem we're trying to address um, in America right now. Or one, of, one of the many problems we're trying to address in America right now. Um, and going back to, to Drew Brees's, you know, apology, you know, again, like, like you said, Trent, it's all just words. He, he just he needs to be words with action. So he, he apologized on uh, Instagram with a photo and he apologized through a video, but you know, he's, his words have affected his, his black teammates the teammates he throws all his touchdowns to his teammates who block for him his teammates who you know defend for him all that stuff so um you know like you said like 
with words, this needs to be action. He needs to, be, he needs to show that um, he means what he says. He needs to find a better way to, to go about expressing his thoughts and go about um, educating himself and learning about, you know, the oppression black people faced and putting himself in, like the yeah, I said, put himself in a different perspective. Um, and to, to be able to not fully understand, but at least attempt to understand, you know, the plight of, uh, of black people in this country. I couldn't agree more. And um, I mean, we, we already say, I mean, actions will speak volumes. And when I feel like when people do see him, let's just put his money where his mouth is and, and start committing dollars and, and time to actually supporting um, the plight of African-Americans. Uh, I feel like people will then start to to support that change and, and show him love. And I feel like um, if, if he is able to do that, all of the great accomplishments he had in the sport of football and in giving charity to various New Orleans organizations, I, I feel like all that stuff can still be recognized if he, if he shows productive, active change. Um, and I also want to highlight how important it is as African-Americans that if he does show growth, if he does show active growth and commitment to, to educating himself and bettering himself, that we applaud that and we support that um, as a model for other people to change, as opposed to still um, sort of holding a, a, a grudge for his previous comments. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's just like that, like that's just the important thing, right? It's like, and also like the thing I've respected was like Aaron Rodgers for however people felt about him previously, what he posted on Instagram was like just super helpful. Um, and it showed where he stood. And again, it's all about like, you know, banding together and, you know, unifying to help the black community, right? It's not about, you know, you trying to like, you know, because Drew Brees might claim that he's an ally, but the problem is people are going to look at that and say, you're not right. Based on his initial viewpoint. And the thing I was going to say too, is I think the NFL needs to find some way to allow Kaepernick back into the league. Um, I know some people have talked about that just because he got alienated, I think to, I mean, Again, I could be wrong on this, but I felt like he got alienated so much that teams are just not willing to give him a chance. Um, and I think that, I don't know. I mean, I think that, you know, at least like the one thing the NFL could do is, you know, say that he's like welcome back in the league and welcome back with open arms and allow him. Because, you know, when he was healthy, he was pretty good quarterback. Um, you know, he went to the Super Bowl with the 49ers. So, um, you know, I don't know if that's something you like, I, like, I guess my question with that is like, what else do you need to see the NFL do? Cause like the NBA is doing a great job with it and they've always have, um, the NHL has done some good things recently from what I've read, but like, what do you want to see the NFL do? Cause Roger Goodell, for example, was against this in 2016. Um, what do you want to see from him? Um, well, I saw like the NFL made a pledge. Um, I can't remember how much it was, but it was something like around a hundred million dollar, um, investment over like 10 years to um I, like a black organization i can't remember exactly what the details were but um for me like 
seeing the NFL pledge money doesn't really mean a lot. Like it's a significant contribution, obviously, because it's a lot of money. But um, one, if you look at like the percentage of their revenue, along with just like actionable things that they can do to me, the NFL pledging hundred million dollars is not as significant as it could be. Um, so like I look at NASCAR, for example, um, and like they had just banned the Confederate flag, I think yesterday um, at their events. And like, I was very, very happy um, to hear, I think it was their commissioner as well, like talk about it. Um, he was basically saying that like his family and like his ancestors, the people he comes from were Confederate like people, they were slave owners. And the fact that he was taking the initiative to ban the flag that sort of represented his whole family and his ancestry, that to me is like actionable difference. And obviously with NASCAR, like that's a big risk to their brand, to their fan base, because they do have a lot um, of like Southern, a big Southern population within their fan base. Um, so like for, NASCAR to ban that I think they're taking a risk at again like losing some revenue losing some fans but they're doing it at the for the betterment of like the one black NASCAR driver and for black people around the country and for me that meant a lot so when you mention actionable things that the NFL can do I think somehow getting Kaepernick back in um, would mean a lot but also just like continuing to to do tangible things as opposed to just giving money. Like I would love to see, I don't expect this to happen, but I would love to see like owners, even Roger Goodell, like taking a knee during the anthem or like something significant like that, because those types, those people, even Drew Brees, like those people have some of the largest voices right now. Um, just to be seriously, just to be honest, like a lot of white people's voices right now are bigger than black people's because you kind of know the way black people are feeling about the situations. So um, I would love to see some of like the white um, participants in the NFL um, take a knee during the anthem or something like that. Graham brings up a great point. Um, I feel like uh, white people should understand, it'd be valuable for them to understand their platform and um, if they are realizing the changes that need to happen, um, that their actions specifically um, speak volumes. Um, and in regards to Colin Kaepernick and, and, and NFL team signing him, this is just a thought that I have. Like, I don't understand why NFL teams aren't really salivating at the prospect of signing Colin Kaepernick because I feel like, especially now, like that would bring so much support so much just, just i'm just thinking in, in terms of like if i'm an nfl gm jersey sales would be through the roof and that would be such a good look for your for your football team like i don't know i don't know why it's such like a struggle and honestly it's probably indicative of like the 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 destructive the ego the the injustice that is so profuse throughout the NFL that they're they're not willing to to swallow their pride um, and and take and, and, and take on Colin Kaepernick um, and basically fight against the oppressive system. Um, 
but yeah, I think I think it'd be it's a great opportunity for a whole bunch of teams. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, I just think like you know, since since you started kneeling back in 2016, he's just been you know blacklisted and blackballed by all these teams, you know, and so no one to pick him up because they'd be associated with you know Kaepernick and his kneeling and and uh, all the negative connotation that was put towards it by you know Roger Goodell by uh, Donald Trump uh, by all that. So I think no, I think no teams wanted to pick him up because they didn't want to you know get that bad that bad rap that that bad rap that he that he brought um, with him um, that was put on to him by you know all these all, all the people who 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 were against um, his protest, but. You know, uh, I think now I think yeah, I brings up a good point. I think now you know he's he's skill wise, I think he's a lot, a lot better than a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL, and so he can definitely do it skill wise. But I think now you know people just didn't sign him because um, just because of what he represented, and people didn't want that associated with their teams and with their organizations and with their personnel and all that. Um, but now I think um, since you know this movement is you know taking off and. And really blowing up and really you know, making change, um, I think it'd be very beneficial for for teams to sign them, and um, and I think it'd be backed by a lot of support from um, their fans and and uh, a lot of you know the majority of black players in the NFL. So, one one more comment in regards to that um, that I've thought about is obviously I do want to see Colin Kaepernick back in the NFL. I do want to see him playing again, not just on a team, but have an opportunity to play um, because I think his voice is and his struggle is really, really important right now. Um, but with that being said, there's almost a part of me that does not want a team to sign him. Um, and here's why I think the voice of a martyr is stronger um, than the voice of someone who isn't. So I think at this point, like, Obviously, like Colin Kaepernick is still still has a voice and is still able to, you know, preach for whatever activism he wants, uh, mainly black lives. But I think by him being blackballed by the NFL, his struggle has become more real um, and more authentic. And I think a lot of people can not understand it, but sympathize with it more. And I think if he does get let let back into the NFL, there will be some people who will be like, oh, the racism issue is really being solved. Like, this is great. Like, we don't need to do as much as we actually, as much, like we basically like, I think by the NFL letting him back in, that would tell people there's more progress than there actually has been. So mm. I just want to make that comment. I think that's important to think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does anybody else have anything else they want to say before I shift on to the next topic? Well, I, I was going to shift it on to uh, – so, obviously, a, a pro sports, you know, league that's done a good job with, you know, diversity is the NBA. Um, as you guys know, they went to the 22-team format, the bubble um, in Orlando. And, you know, I guess, there, you know, there are a couple of questions I wanted to ask within it. The first one being um, – you guys can go any direction with this, obviously, is how do you like the 22-team format? Um, and I guess, like, the second part of that question is – you know, how do you like it being um, in one location um, and that kind of stuff? Like, like, how does it excite you and that kind of stuff like that? So go ahead. Well, all I'm going to say is watch out for my Wizards because they're back in the hunt. 
We about to turn up. But uh, my opinion, I think it's it's cool from my perspective because it's kind of it kind of reminds me of like a AAU tournament a little bit where like everybody's back in the same gym, like just kind of like hooping in a small environment. Not many people there. Not many. Not a big crowd. Like I think that's kind of a like a dope feature. Um, however, I do kind of feel bad for like the players because it's kind of like they're in quarantine by themselves without their families for however long um, they'll be there for. So I think it will be tough on the players. I think you'll end up seeing a lot of players not coming and, and not playing, um, which I think will disrupt uh, the flow of the the game and make it a little bit weird to not see um, some like pretty popular players out on the floor, but um, I'm excited. I'm happy. You know, my, my Wizards get a chance to, to show what they can do, especially if John Wall comes back. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think the format, I'm glad, I'm first of all, I'm just glad the NBA is back. You know, I'm glad it's coming back. I'm glad we can, you know, finally watch basketball again. It's been months, you know, without it. Um, I think that, I think the 22 team format's interesting. You know, we have 13 teams um, from the West and nine from the East. And then you have, you know, I think it was eight regular season games or something like that or around there. And then uh, then like playoff seed to determine playoff seeding. So um, I think it's just, you know, the NBA is taking careful precautions to, be able to continue the season and keep players safe, keep fans safe, keep, you know, staff um, safe um, and not get sick and all that stuff. So I think, you know, they're taking the, the right precautions and also, you know, trying to do that while um, continuing the season, you know, have fans and have fans have something to watch, um, have guys be able to do their jobs and play again, play the game that they love. So um, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, I was happy to see, um, that they came out with the 22 team um, uh, schedule, and I'm kind of excited to see how how it'll um, it'll play out. Um, I know guys. Uh, I think Grant brought up a good point. You know, guys might not want to show up and play and all that stuff because they're they'll be isolated in Orlando or whatnot. But um, I think I think it'll just be good. It'll be kind of like you have to play to play play hard every game. You know, you can't take any really any games off. You know, so. Um, each 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 game matters. Yeah, I would say um, I'm honestly really excited for it um, personally. Um, I'm going to be back home by then, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Um, so I'll get a chance to watch NBA again with all my high school friends, which will be a, a great time to watch NBA over the summer. Um, and so, like Fru said, we haven't had we haven't had much live sports for the past couple of months. I mean, I know soccer's coming back. Soccer's uh, my favorite team actually plays on Wednesday versus Manchester City, Arsenal. Tune in, so it'll be a banger. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to have live sports back. In regards to players, because I I mean I was reading this morning, certain players are um, there's one they they fear for COVID reasonable fear and they fear that um, they're not going to be able to see their families um it's also a reasonable fear um but at the same time i mean this is a pandemic uh we are in uncharted waters um and i feel like the nba has done just a stellar job um even to try and get a to create a format um a realistic format a, a, a safe somewhat safe format um and if if you, if I feel like players who 
who were really looking at this season, like LeBron James, we were looking at the season as like as a, an amazing opportunity to win uh, a championship. Um, for example, the Clippers, for example, the Lakers, for example, the Rockets, like they're probably salivating at this. So for all the other players who, who, who might not show up, I mean, to me, that's indicative of how, how deep your hunger is to win. Cause I feel like if, if this is the opportunity that it is for so many players to win that ring, um, you're just happy to get back um, to be able to get back on the court in some sort of safe environment. Um, so I feel like the NBA has done a fantastic job. Um, and honestly, I'm just I'm just hyped at the opportunity to be able to watch in in that sort of like like this will this we're 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 about to win this history. Like this is this is going to be one of the most this is already one of the most peculiar NBA seasons ever. And now that players have had an opportunity to rest for months. Um, or sit on their couch and not work out for months. Like we're really going to see who during quarantine put in that work um, to get that ring, to get the result that they wanted. So I feel like it's going to be a, it's going to be something special. So I'm excited. All I'm saying is watch out for skinny, skinny Jokic, dude. Watch out for skinny Jokic. <laughs> I think, uh, I think the, the nuggets are going to struggle a little bit. They're not going to have that advantage of playing in Denver. So we'll see. I don't know. Jokic is nice, but I think, uh, team, they definitely have an advantage when they play at home just because of the altitude and everything. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, I, I don't think the Rockets are going to have an advantage just because I think that Harden being skinnier actually is a disadvantage for him. Um, because I think that his, like his, his, his strength allowed him to get fouled a lot and use his body well and get through contact and finish better. Um, I mean, I could be wrong for all I know he could be like a lot faster and quicker when he comes back. Um, but I don't know. I, the Rockets, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a guy who's not as sold on the Rockets as some people are. Just because I, I, I'm more sold on, I guess, the Lakers or Clippers out of the West. Um, like, I think the East is a little bit, like, the, the top four teams in the East could give the Bucks a little bit. Like, the Raptors, the Celtics, or the uh, Heat could give the Bucks a bigger challenge. But I don't know how you guys yeah, do it. Yeah, I mean, the Wizards are pretty nice, too. Like, I think Bradley Beal and, and John Wall is, you know, a pretty deadly combo especially if John Wall comes back, but even not, I mean, even if he does not, I think, you know, we got a lot of young talent and I think for teams that are going to be successful right now, I think youth is a huge, huge, huge factor. Um, so like my favorite in the East is probably the Celtics. Cause I think, you know, with <clears throat> Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, um, you know, the, the young core that they have, I think that's really going to give them advantage of, you know, not, like, because too much, I think LeBron talked about how too much rest is also kind of not beneficial. Like, it, it can harm especially old guys because um, their bodies start to get out of shape quicker. So, um, I think young teams like the like the Celtics are really going to have an advantage. Um, and in regards to the Rockets, I just, like, I think them not having a big is going to hurt them, like, the tallest players like PJ Tucker or something like that. So it's, I think it's kind of slow for him. John Wall needs to get on a diet, dude. That man is hefty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> last time I saw him, he'd be, he'd be, going, to, he'd be going to the club too often. Um, but yeah, I feel like Clint Capella to me, like he was such a, a crucial part of the Rockets. Like he enabled so much of their offense. And I know that you may just say he was a lob guy, but 
he was exactly what that team relied on and needed to me as a, as a, as a uh, reliable lob guy and a reliable rim protector. Um, they have this, they, I forgot who their sub center is. They do have the, uh, they got Tyson another Chandler. center. Tyson Chandler. Yeah. Tyson Chandler. Yeah. He was like 45, uh, but, but, you know, that's a significant downgrade to Clint Capella. And I honestly think that one, I, I, I'm kind of with Strat on this. The fact that James Harden, I feel like when he needs to, he, he will play defense. But, I mean, the amount of series I've seen him choke to the Warriors in game six, game seven, like they had an opportunity. I, mean, I think it was two, three years ago. They had an opportunity to beat the Warriors with KD. Um, I think they were up three, two. They lost two straight. And Chris Paul went and got injured. They had a better chance to beat the Warriors than the, than the Cavs did in the finals. Um, but just seeing him time after time choke, like he'd have he'd have crucial turnover possessions and then just walk back on defense or jog back on defense. He, he looked so nonchalant. So I sort of like gave up on on the Rockets' hope. Um, my picks the Clippers. I think they just have added the pieces that they've needed around um, Kawhi and Paul George. Uh, the Morris team was a huge addition. Um, Lou Williams is huge. I, I feel like they just have the additional pieces that the Lakers don't have. So, yeah. But the big problem for the Clippers, though, is they just don't have anyone to guard Anthony Davis, um, really. Like, you could say Harrell he could guard him. Um, like, the, the, their team's really built to guard LeBron James, if you look at their team, because they have their perimeter defense is really good. Um, like, my pick's the Lakers, but I think, like, the Clippers are a great pick, too. I mean, I think, like, when those teams play, it's going to be a seven-game series. Um, but, I don't know, I, I, just, I just think that, I don't know, I think that this year's LeBron's year, and then every year after that, LeBron, like, you know, LeBron probably won't win after this year, but I think this year is just LeBron's year, because he's just playing at a different level than we've seen many guys at his age play. But I could be wrong. I mean, you know, it just, because the Clippers are really, really good, um, and they have taken two out of three from the Lakers, but I don't know. I mean, the Celtics are my pick from the East, too, actually. I, I'm a, I, I am huge in the Celtics. I think I think Giannis is going to choke again in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then you know they're just going to because he can't shoot, so <laughs> they're going to lose. I'm a Boston guy, so I'm going Boston all the way, no matter what. So that's my that's my pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who do you have from the East? From the East, yeah. Um, I feel like yeah, I'm picking Boston too. To be honest, I just feel like they have. They're very balanced, so they can they can hit you from very different um, from many different spots. Um, Jason Tatum is really blossoming this year. Uh, Jalen Brown has been going off. Um, the Bucks, I don't. I, do I trust Giannis in clutch time? Maybe. Um, I just don't feel like he's he's gonna have. I don't think he, he has enough to withstand um, all the weapons that Boston have for in the seven game series. I think he'll probably get them. Maybe two or three, um, but I do feel like Boston will come out of the East. But I feel like they will lose most definitely in the final. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I the, the big problem with Giannis is like you know it's just the same thing with like you know obviously LeBron was much better when he was like at that age like in terms of his skill and getting to the basket. But like Giannis's game is playing downhill, getting to the basket, and like making layups. Um, mm-hmm. And we saw what the Raptors did last year. If you have guards who are long enough who can wall off the paint like the, the, the Miami Heat do this well and that's why I think the Miami Heat I'm not saying they would beat the Bucks, but they could give them a really tough second round series because they have bigs that can wall you off 
Um, and for and yeah, the team around Giannis is like a bunch of shooters, but if they're off, like they're just gonna really struggle. Because Giannis is not scoring thirty, um, which could definitely happen unless he like decides just to make threes one day. Um, just like that—that's the issue that he runs into. Um, with like the Clippers and Lakers, you don't have that issue as much because you know Kawhi can make shots, Paul George can make shots, and then the Lakers are like you know LeBron can. He's not a great three-point shooter, but he at least can hit threes when you ask him to. Um, and Giannis also is like 25 years old. So, I mean, like he's going to be really good. It's just I think he, he – like, you know, he's shown promise in a three-point shot. It's just he's not there yet. And his team's not good enough. I don't think – like Chris Middleton's always so erratic in the playoffs. Um, like, I'm, I don't know. Everyone's, a lot of people are sold in the Bucs. I'm not sold in them at all. But that's just – like everyone in ESPN is like the Bucs are coming out of the East. Like definitely. I'm like, I'm not so sure. So – I think a team that people are sleeping on, too, is the Raptors. Like, I think because they lost Kawhi all year, they've kind of been the underdog. Um, but, I, I mean, like, I don't know exactly where they're seated in the East right now, but I think they're around, like, two. two. Yeah, they're second. So, it's like, I think with, again, to me, like I said, youth is a big, um, I think going to be a big deciding factor. Um, and, like, I mean, Pascal Siakam is, has been – one of the most productive players and I think his growth is is really important to their team um so I'd be curious to see how how they shape up in the east too like I would not be surprised if if they got through the Bucks or through the Celtics you know through the Wizards like I don't know I think I think uh it can be can be pretty competitive in the east so and the, I think you mentioning the heat as well like I think that is very balanced um but I think I think my eastern conference final is probably going to be the Celtics versus the Wizards and then in the West probably the Clippers versus the Lakers and then I think the Clippers are probably going to come out um, to be honest I think with the new format um, that's going to be an advantage to the Clippers and then I think uh, Boston's going to beat the Wizards in, in seven games so we'll see. Really high on your, your Wizards huh you know it doesn't sound like a little bit any bias there at all. <laughs> Y'all sleeping. I'm just saying. Wait. Don't don't sleep in the Trailblazers either, dude. The Trailblazers, you know, I'm just saying. They're getting Nurkic back, and they're getting Zach Collins back. They could be a tough first-round opponent for the Lakers, too. Lakers are going to beat them, but, like, that could be – like, if they get the AFC, it's not going to be a cakewalk for the Lakers. Nurkic, Nurkic and Zach Collins are tough players, at least for, like, you know, like not like, you know, like they're great scorers. But when Nurkic, I think, was healthy, he was, like, a 16, 17-point a game guy. And then Zach Collins is a good big off the bench. And then obviously you have Dame who can, if he gets hot, that can be really tough. But For sure. But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure. The, I mean, I, maybe the Wizards get the AC. I don't know, man. But <laughs> John, John Wall can't, can't be fat for that to happen. Yo, I'm telling you, Vuri Hachimura is back too. He, He's good. Young He's star tough. right there. Young star. So, What's the deal with the playing game? For the eight for is that just like a eliminate? Is it like a one elimination game? I I believe that like, yeah they they have like each team's like kind of like like basically like how it's seated is like how like those teams are gonna start. I think it's like eight versus like for the West. I think it's gonna be like eight versus thirteen or like whatever like you know like the highest seed versus lowest seed. And then then each team's gonna beat each other, and then they basically determine after that who's the eighth seed. Um, and then like it's that's like after I think the eight games uh, too. So. Um, yeah, like it, it's gonna be interesting, especially for the West, because there are a lot of like, I mean, obviously, like the eighth seeds are, I don't think, are gonna beat the Lakers, but they're like, especially in the West, there are 
like it's really only like the like, yeah, it's only the Wizards and the Magic. And I mean, I probably say the Wizards had probably a better chance than the Magic, just because the Magic I don't think are very good. Um, but I mean, the West there's at least like a lot of good op- like, you know options. You know, you have the Pelicans who are really young, really like who have a lot of talent. You know, the Trailblazers have you know a lot of guys coming back, and you know who knows the Grizzlies might you know hold on to the eighth seed and you know get in the playoffs. You know, they they, they got John Morant who's really good. So um, yeah, I don't know. But any of you guys have any final thoughts before we wrap it up? No? All right. Well, I want to thank you guys for being on and, uh, you know, hope to have you guys on again. You know, you guys are always welcome back. So thanks for being on. Appreciate you, Mike. My thank man. You, Appreciate it. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate you, Trent.